for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 366 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And buddy, it's Star Wars season. It's the best time of year. It, it, it just happens that we get multiple Star Wars seasons in a year now, which is incredible. We're going to be talking about the fourth episode of Andor, obviously. It's real good. I'm consistently impressed and sort of blown away by this show. And last week, you know, we were talking about how we had our buddy... Rick Villanueva from the Jam Transmissions podcast. And I said, there's two people. When Andor was coming up and I was like, you know, it's, it's a longer series. I don't know that I'm going to schedule guests for every episode. But there's two that got to be on the show. We got Rick out of the way. It was a lovely time. Uh, by the way, Mama Burkhart said, hey, Rick was an excellent guest. So shout out, Rick. Mama Burkhart approved. Yep. And this week. We're getting the other guest who I had in mind. And listen, if you, if you follow Star Wars Twitter, if you interact in any of our big little um, uh, circle of beautiful losers that love Star Wars as much as we do, you know the person who we are going to be having as a guest today because she is perhaps... Her and Rick could have like a battle royale for the people that were most excited for this series, right? Like I said, you know, I heard from a lot of people when Book of Boba Fett was going on, like, oh, man, I can't imagine how excited you are. That's how I felt about Rick and our guest this week. So we're very happy to have another first time guest, surely not to be the last time, but it's our buddy Catherine Neen from That Geek Pod. And also she's been doing uh, Andor breakdowns with our buddy Josh Chapman over on the Star Wars Spelt Out podcast. Hi everybody! Yeah, it's Andor season. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's definitely Andor season. Uh, so, listen, we got a lot of ground to cover. I want to know uh, Catherine's thoughts on the series thus far. I want to get all our thoughts on the newest episode. We got a bunch of voicemails and emails to cover as well, and I've I've had people reach out and say, "Hey, can you make sure to get my voicemail in?" 
specifically on the Catherine episode, and I said, sure. So we're we're going to make good on some promises. You know, listen, you know the Star Wars is good when our voice, our, our email inbox looks like it does this week oh because people are hyped up on it, and I love seeing that. Yeah, so right. we're going to make the plugs super quick. Blueharvest.rocks. That's all you need to know. You'll find links to the Patreon where uh, uh, I posted a immediate reaction to the newest episode, and Steele and I also did a brand new episode of Hall's Calls talking about the series. You'll find our social media, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all that, blueharvest.rocks. Thank you so much, Sean, for the amazing website. <clears throat> all right. So, Catherine, as someone who literally was counting down the days since the announcement of the Andor series. Like, I know how I get personally when there's something I'm looking forward to in the amount that you were looking forward to Andor, right? Like, it, it's almost like this anxiety of like, well, I know I'm going to like it, but I hope it's really good and, and et cetera, et cetera. How has been your experience thus far with this series you've been looking forward to so much? Yeah, so, yeah, anxiety and nerves over, I hope everyone loves it. Um, <laughs> you know, like leading to that first episode, I delayed watching it for a couple of hours because I was going over to Josh's house to mm -hmm. watch the them together. And so it drops like 5 o'clock in the afternoon here um, and we are watching it like 730 mm -hmm. You know, 7.45, depending, and that were the worst two and a half hours of my life. I was just pacing the house. Mm. I was just trying to do anything else, and that, oh, my God. But just, and then driving over, I'm just like, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. <laughs> God, I hope it's good. And it was. It was so good. Like, and, and to get... The like critical reaction from you know, yeah critics, but fans from everyone, it's like oh this is really good. Not only Star Wars, but a good show. Full stop. And it is because it has everything. It has every genre that I like in a show, all together in one, with my favorite character. It is just. Awesome. I, lo I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. That's awesome. I'm so glad that's how you feel. And listen, like this show, I feel like, and granted, I am, I am well past the days of caring what other people necessarily think of anything I like, right? Like I don't seek out the negative opinions anymore because it's just it's a waste of time. I would rather hang out with you and Will and talk about how much we like Andor than worry about what some anonymous dickhead on Twitter with an anime avatar thinks about Andor, right? But the general consensus I see thus far has been very positive about this show. So I think that's... It, the more positive reactions we can get for Star Wars means more Star Wars of this type in the future. We were kind of talking about that last week. For sure, this will influence um, Star Wars projects going forward. Um, I was going to say, the caliber of the acting and the 
the way the story is written and is performed, like you almost, uh, I find myself like halfway forgetting that it's Star Wars. Like I'm so wrapped yeah. up just in the story that there'll be these little Star Wars universe reminders. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a Star Wars. This is so good. You know, I, I get wrapped up in the story and connected that I forget that, that it's a Star Wars movie sometimes. and Or show, I mean. So, like, another thing we talked about last week is the last thing I ever want to do is pit the, one Star Wars thing against another Star Wars yeah. thing. Because I kind of yeah. like it all. There has been, right. There's yet to be this Star Wars thing where I was like, yeah, eh, I don't like it. If it's not really my thing, then I don't really engage with it. But... Like, I don't want to compare things in, like, a negative manner to say, oh, this is better than this because of this. But you also have to acknowledge how beautiful this show is and how much, like, money and care was put into this show. The, The choice to shoot in these amazing locations that they're shooting in gives this series a feel of, like, like scale prestige tv to use sort of a corny industry term yeah for me you know it's felt like you know a scandy drama like those those dramas bbc makes like six episodes or Mm -hmm. european drama like six episodes that real high quality Mm -hmm. intense drama that's what it feels like and it just so happens to be set in a star wars universe Mm -hmm. and i love that feeling um like we're seeing some of the locations coming out now like where they filmed it you know like they've filmed things just in like a a apartment block in london or Mm -hmm. a a display place like a mccallan like building out just outside of London. And I think, you know, where they filmed Eldani was it in Scotland or something or I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if they, you know, I, I want to do some serious throwing away money and, you know, renting a movie cinema and somehow getting around that copyright laws and projecting the whole thing on the big screen and sitting back and loving it. I think, like, I think if you did... Okay, so, like, you know, I made the comparison last week that the Mando-related stuff, you know, Mando and Book of Boba Fett, feels kind of like reading the best Dark Horse Star Wars comic book you ever read. Like all the different characters are showing up and there's like huge action beats and excitement and stuff like that. I think if you you projected that in a theater, you'd be like, I'm watching really good Star Wars TV in a theater. I think if you went in and edited together like a trilogy of Andor movies from this first season and watched them in a theater, you would feel like you were watching a movie. Like it's got just a little touch more it does make a difference it does make a difference shooting in all these real locations um you know it it, 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 it looks amazing yeah and in a way it's continuing on from rogue one i was watching it again just before we came on and the bit where uh deidre's walking into the isb apparently that's just filmed down in canary wharf somewhere mm-hmm. um and so Canary Wharf Station on the Jubilee line is where they did that bit in Rogue One. Right. Um, 
and I'm like it's sort of continuing on that feeling from Rogue One of using that real life location but just putting bits in but that industrial design that real world lived in design of this is how we design things because we live in it um this is why it's designed that way not some artificial i'm not explaining myself very well but it's yeah it's it looks amazing it feels you know that lived in sense that we had in 77 star wars mm-hmm. and the contrast between you know, Cassian's hometown and Coruscant is just so stark. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. And like, you know, that's that's not to say that there isn't copious amounts of CG work in this either. Of course oh, there is. There's so like, much. Like Coruscant <laughs> makes a big return in this newest episode, which by the way, I knew it was coming and I still got excited when I saw it. Like, why has this location been so ignored in newer star wars like they created a whole ass coruscant planet that isn't coruscant for the force awaken hosni and prime get the fuck out of here hosni yeah. and prime get out of here <laughs> we don't need your stuff around here hosni and prime i mean you know a nomina patre spiritu sancti to all the people on hosni and prime but um so yes i mean so we're we're sort of getting there talking about the newest episode will you literally pressed play, watched the episode, sat down the podcast, so you're super fresh on it. What's your first impressions, thoughts about this episode as a whole? You know, my first impression with this episode was that it was so good. And in setting the scene of what's about to go down, I see why they released the first three episode arc as a set, right? Mm-hmm. It, it tells Cassian's story. It sets up him leaving home and all his known behind to face the unknown and this first episode is banging like introducing all of these new characters the level of intensity about him just being there the quick flip around of the big boss uh to his elite business on coruscant Mm -hmm. talking to mon mothma i mean the dude is good he is a good actor he's a good spy um excuse me uh, and then Mon Moth, the Mon Mothma character, uh, uh, two amazing set designs back to back. His relic shop and then Mon Mothma's apartment. That was a beautiful. Uh, and then, you know, everything is just so good. These characters, as you're seeing these initial bits of dialogue, like you're immediately bonding and invested with these characters before you even know who they are, or what's mm-hmm. going on. I just feel like it's done really well, written really well and performed and acted really well. It's hard to not acknowledge that, like, it is some of the best Star Wars acting we've gotten from what you would consider, like, modern Star Wars post-Force Awakens. I don't think we've gotten any poorly acted Star Wars in the Disney era, to be honest. But, like, this... No. There is elements of this that are a a tiny, like, cut above, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. Luthen, the Stellan Skarsgård character, all-time new favorite star wars character like i love this guy he's on my list of characters that i adore in star wars and another thing that i'm really fascinated about is the show's called andor right and clearly Mm. cassian diego luna is the focus of the show but all the other moving pieces the luthan stuff this rebel encampment on aldani uh the stuff with the corporate sector all these 
you know, uh, simultaneous threads that are going on at the same time are equally as strong. I never find myself going like, oh, let's get back to Cassian. Like, let's see what the main character's doing. Like, no, each individual storyline is equally fascinating and executed equally as well as the others. Uh, what about yeah. you, Catherine? What do you think about this episode? Oh, this episode is just astounding. <laughs> so we're, we're getting really the, the separate story threads that I always thought that we could have. It's interesting how it's followed Cassian into the rebel camps and then it, it followed Luthen to Coruscant and then we followed Khan um, as well. So we're sort of Cassian was like the starting point and then he encountered people who we then, you know, follow on to to grow the universe, the cast of characters, as it were. And and we're going to be following Cassian throughout, but he is yeah, it's it's the forming of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's how how it happened. Obviously, I want to get back to Cassian's story, you know, all the time. But I am so intrigued by all the different story threads and what were being shown and what were being told. Because this is, I think, what I have always wanted. You know, what was going on, you know, during the imperial times. Like, how did people live? What were the imperials? really like on a day-to-day level and what did the rebels do and we're, we're getting it and so it's it's so good and you think about this episode this episode we're getting the start of a heist movie mm-hmm. we're getting um political intrigue with with you know all the isb maneuvering against each other, you know, posturing. We're getting a spy show with Luthen and Mon Mothma. We're getting, um, you know, the potential for that action that's going to be coming up with um, when they go to get the payroll. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all the genres are just starting to come to the fore with such brilliant dialogue. So, you know, we congratulate the acting because it's fantastic the dialogue i think we've really got to go no, yeah this the is writing some of the is top notch dialogue yeah it's true like there was a line that i did write down i didn't bring with me um during that isb meeting about the storage and it's very much implied that they're talking about the displaced humans or displaced people from this planet you know, where are they going to store them all? The storage issues with those people. And, and it's just part of this meeting and using such, you've, you know, such terminology to really say who the Imperials are. They, it's it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's so fascinating to sit back and think of being a Star Wars fan back during the prequel era, right? And a big yeah. complaint was like, ah, I don't care about politics in Star Wars. I, like, that stuff's boring. Like, get out of the Senate. But now, you know, we went so long. Like, they didn't touch on the politics of the galaxy at all in the sequel trilogy. It, it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you got the tiniest little pieces, but it was never really an element. Definitely not in the way it was in the prequels. And, yeah. like to see that sort of story element rise up again in star Wars and be so good and be so, so well received just as a little funny to me thinking back to like, 
all the complaints about the quote-unquote boring politics in the prequels. But like, no, nah, man, it can be real fascinating. And we're getting really fascinating stuff. And like, when you look at how many projects in this sort of era of Star Wars that we've gotten set in between episode three and four, the quote-unquote on, quote dark times, right? Um, you have like the Bad Batch, you have Jedi Fallen Order, you have Obi-Wan, you have Andor, and all these other things, and they all have a different vibe and show us a different sort of era and, and way that... Uh, uh, the transformation from the Republic to the empire impacted different types of characters, right? In the bad batch, it's former clones who now have to deal with the fact that, you know, the order 66 thing happened, so on and so forth, all the stuff they have to deal with, you know, uh, and or, 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 or Obi-Wan and Jedi fallen order are definitely about, you know, Jedi and hiding and having to deal with that. And, you know, the call to action when, you know, your, your entire, existence has been labeled as a traitor against the empire and now in andor you're getting like a real ground level of how the empire is affecting the smaller guys you're not looking at these epic magic warriors that use laser swords and, and are, are fighting for the uh the fate of the galaxy and good and evil you're you're down on the ground level with like quote-unquote real people or quote-unquote regular people nobody's really regular they're all pretty phenomenal but you know what I mean. It's yeah. really fascinating. Um, so, <clears throat> Catherine, what uh, what would you say your your standout moment in this episode would be if you had to pick out one? I know it's tough. Oh, there's that moment where you know Luthen has put his wig on, put his his clothes on, and all the rings, and then just takes that moment to practice the way yep. to get back into character again. It's like Batman turning back into Bruce Wayne. You know, he's got to get into that character again. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a telling moment that I'm so glad they chose to include. And and they, they didn't have to. It It's two seconds, if that, you know, of no words, but just getting into character um, I mean, that was awesome. Um, the scale model. Oh, sorry. Oh. It's not to scale. Right. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, oh. the model. Oh, God, I love it. All you have to do to make me like a character is have them present a nice diorama or a model that they built that they're super proud of. Because that's, that's me. You know what I mean? That's the guy you, I would be. Doing like, oh, man, you put a lot of effort into that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he's like, ah, obviously it's not the scale. You know who Steele compared him to, which was an excellent uh, comparison. You can hear this on the latest Hall's Calls on the Blue Harvest and Steel Wars Patreons, by the way. Plug, plug. Awesome. Um, Steele compared him to Mouse from Ma The Matrix, the kid who programs it's the lady good, in the uh, red dress. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, man. <clears throat> I think... Um, Look, the 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 moment you're talking about with Luther and Catherine is a standout. Yeah. Like, because I remember like seeing the clips and going, "Oh, is there some kind of time jump? Because his hair's longer 
when he's all fancy and, and it's shorter when he's talking to Cassie. And I didn't really know because at a certain point I stopped watching, you know, all the extra yeah. clips and stuff they were putting out just because I was like, ah, eh, you know, I just want to see the show at this point. Um, but for it to be like a full on disguise with the wig and way too many rings, you never trust a dude that has that many rings. Let me tell you what. Um, I think it's a great example showing the mastery of his craft, mm-hmm. the spy craft, the disguise. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man. The, du- the duplicitous nature of what he's doing. Yeah, and just that little detail of him doing the wave and like the swagger to it was so getting great. into character. Yeah, getting into character was yeah. so great. I, um, to me, maybe the most striking <laughs> thing was getting to see this band of rebels that's going to be doing this heist and seeing like this isn't, you know. Princess Leia and General Dodonna hanging out in a ball and ass temple on Yavin Prime with all the screens and stuff. No, this is down and dirty, living in tents, scraping together. Yes. For the moons to line up, basically. Yeah. uh, That to me, I was like, oh, this is cool. You know? Um, What an excellent way to show us the advancements that the the Alliance takes by the time we get to, you know, the, the original trilogy and stuff. What about you, Will? What was your standout moment? Oh man, uh, that was a good one. the The scar, the Luthen moment is a good one. But um, I don't know. One of the ones that I'm looking forward to resolving is maybe the political intrigue of that dinner that Mon Mothma's husband, I guess, is okay. putting on. Yeah, what a douche. Seeing, He's yeah, what the a worst. douche. Yeah, right. Douche and key. <laughs> But uh, I'm interested to see like how she plays with the powers that be. She's real scared at the moment, but uh, something tells me that she's gonna find her resolve and like be the political badass. I I don't think it's scared as much as like, you know, it, like you can tell she takes it very seriously. Like, and you're seeing these moments of like, so she mentions like, oh, so I'm just supposed to hang out with these people that cut off the whatever shipping lanes, right? Yeah, undo then, what I'm doing every day. Right, and then in in Star Wars Rebels, and shout out to whoever posted this on Twitter because I, you know, I didn't remember this, but there's an episode where um, Mon Mothma basically announces that she is leaving the Senate or whatever, and she says it's because of a massacre that happened on that planet that she referenced in Andor Gorman or whatever. I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like you're seeing like they're trying to be super careful cause they can't trust anybody. And like they mention their spies in the Senate and like, she's got this new driver who she doesn't know is cool or not. So like, it's clear that like in these earlier days of the rebellion, they got to be real careful, really, really careful. Cause one slip up, you know, is, is game over for them. This isn't Mm -hmm. the rebellion, you know, that you see in the original trilogy. That is this amassed force. These are small little pockets. It seems like that haven't have yet to coalesce into a bigger alliance. Right. And they're scraping and scrapping for all the resources they can get. Yeah. Like she's like, they're worrying about funding and stuff, right? Like they Mm got to buy some X wings and some Y wings. You know what I mean? They can't even afford cover. You know, for this operation, they're having to leave in the middle of a basically a hail, a, a firecracker hailstorm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
yeah it's it's really good um i love that sort of world building and like that to me there's a good way in a bad way to slip in a reference in 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 uh dialogue right like there's the way where it comes out real natural and it just seems like how people would talk and then there's the way where it seems like the character should almost turn at the camera wink and smile like oh guys did you hear that exposition and like there was references tossed around in this effort episode and so many references (laughs) yeah mim bam in the mud yeah mim bam and or uh, Cassian served on Mimbam where so you have to assume he was probably there at the same time as Han Solo right mm-hmm. probably yeah. um and uh uh resources going to Scarif Scarif that that's Scarif, exactly uh, the way he just threw out that that crystal pendant was a kyber crystal the guy mm-hmm. talking to the uh kid that fell asleep while he was supposed to be on watch being like hey man if you worked for Saul Guerrero you'd be dead yeah like just tossing this stuff left and right and it never felt shoehorned exactly no no it was it was real elegantly done and like i i I hats off to them because obviously there were references that i didn't get at first like yeah that one that link back to rebels there were references i got but if you didn't know any of those they'd just be ordinary conversation yep Mm -hmm. it was yeah so well done um, so I think we got to talk about, you know me, I love a good uh, Star Wars history Easter egg. We got to talk about Luthen Shop. He has an immaculately oh. displayed Star Wars collection. Um, and you want to talk about references. And man, there's a lot in there. Uh, you know, I, I can't even say that I was someone who was like, oh, I, I caught them all. No, I had to look on social media and people mm-hmm. pointed things out to me. But just really really cool like i hope we get some more looks at that shop and they sort of um focus in on some of the other uh artifacts in there because like an an utapowan cudgel yep yep that was the the weapon he was proposing she buy at first and then Mm -hmm. right behind him in that scene there's this suit of armor which um is a reference to the force unleashed of all things that video game because it was like you know in the force unleashed you can you can go dark side or you go light side and if you take the the dark side quote unquote at the time non-canon ending none of it's canon but you would kill darth vader and take his place right and you got this badass suit of sith armor that that was that armor that was in that shop that's Um, cool i did not recognize it there's a couple of the uh the tablets with the world between worlds on them. Like when she's mm-hmm. taking the guy to look at those coins, those tablets are sort of right there to the left. Um, I can't remember what Hera's ancestral uh, artifact is called. Like they have those things that are real yeah. a Kalakari or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah, there was one of those mm-hmm. in the background. Um, oh, Mandalorian was... armor. Mandalorian armor, yep. Yeah, um, I I just watched um, Alex's video on Star Wars Explained, and there's so many things. There's a Jedi holocron. Yep, in the and back a Sith room. Holocron. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he's got the good stuff. Yeah. Oh. That's that's the kind of store I want to go into, and I'm like, oh wow, I can't afford any of this, but you got a life size Star Killer armor. Nice. Uh, 
maybe a, a bit of pocket away a little change here and there and take that bad boy home with me one day. Um, so you're like the driver where you're like, yeah, I can't afford anything. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, I can't afford anything. How smooth was that, by the way? Because like his receptionist lady, like immediately uh, clues in like it's Mon Mothma. She's got a new driver. And he's like, OK, OK. I got to get him out of here. Yeah. And like she just slides right in, distracts him, takes him to look at some coins. Boom, bada bing. There's there's spy craft being done in the, the back room. Mm hmm. Yeah. And let me just say the shiny space, you know, speeder, Rolls Royce speeder. Oh. That was beautiful. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And Coruscant looked incredible. I'm so glad we're back there. Sure did. And you mentioned it, Will. Uh, Mon Mothma, her apartment, incredible. The giant bonsai yeah. trees and stuff. You know, I saw that and immediately was like, oh, right. This is my jam. And is that is that crest? Things she takes off is that like her senate badge or something i don't really know it Somebody may have no know. significance but i just had that question when i was watching it I well was like, they, is that like a symbol of office well they they definitely sort of focused on her you know taking it off and putting it on the table mm -hmm. and stuff i'm sure that will be answered in some way somebody's going to figure what that is somebody's going to figure yeah. it out there'll be a, an true. article or a youtube video about it but i don't know her husband's a real asshole dude he is. Oh, the like, worst. At first, I was like, I was surprised, right? Because, oh, my Mothma has a husband. And I was like, well, is he in on it? Is this like a couple's thing? And then immediately when he referred to Sly Moore as being one of the fun ones. Do you know who Sly Moore is, Will? I'm not familiar. Sly Moore is the blue bald lady that wears like the really extravagant gown. She's always hanging out with Palpatine. Okay, I know now, yeah. Yeah, in the, the, the space squid opera scene in Revenge of the Sith, she's yep. one of the people where he's like, hey, get out of here. Leave us leave us alone for a little bit. Right. Um, so the fact that he referred to one of uh, Palpatine's homies as like the fun one, I was like, oh, no, he's an asshole. I get it. Okay. Yeah, and she said she's going to sit at the boring side of the table. How dare you call Mon Mothma boring? <laughs> And she warned him. She was like, don't make me do this. Like, like threatening him. Like, I will melt your face off if mm -hmm. you make me. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, love a good, love a good uh, uh, heist planning scene. All right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll tell you what my theory is, is. So, you know, you mentioned it, Will. The first three episodes had this nice contained arc to them, right? Um, that ended with, uh, you know, Cassian going off world with Luthen. I think we're in for another sort of three episode arc. I think the sort of timeline of the next episode will be mostly heist focused. They'll get in and then what will happen because it has to happen. It happens in every heist scenario every every time something goes wrong. Right, things look like they're going Something really well. Something does not go according to plan. They were like, "Oh, and if we can beat the clock, there's no trouble." I was like, "You just said it right there. What happens when you don't beat the clock? Do you have an, you know, you got an exit plan B?" Doesn't sound like nope. it. Nope. <clears throat> or someone will be a mole. Uh, yep. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And that it'll be the cliffhanger of, "Oh shit, everything's gone wrong. How are they going to get out of this?" And then the third episode will be 
the big escape. I can't wait to see this atmospheric anomaly with the crystals exploding in the atmosphere and stuff. It's going to be cool. I bet you it's going to look real cool. It's going to look like a head shop in the mid nineties. So listen, guys, I want to sit here and talk about this episode all night, but we've got a lot of voicemails. I sure I'm sure they're all going to be about Andor, and it will allow us to continue talking about the episode. I think it's needless to say that the three of us really enjoyed it. So why don't we move on, hear from some of our friends, and continue talking about the episode that way? How's that sound? That's cool. great. All right. Well, we got to do one thing first. We got to hear a little song while I get the voicemails together. That's not what that's not working like how it should. Here we go. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crush box Kiyadi. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a real Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kiyadi, cockhead, it's a stroke. And suck on his balls, Kitty. Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you right now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, 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 What are we doing? All right. It feels like the MTV unplugged version. It kind of does, doesn't it? Like I should see. Um, oh, what was the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots? He, I just remember on his, their in, uh, their unplugged. He, he was in a rocking chair the whole time. Um. So listen, <laughs> if you guys want to be like any of these cool cats and kittens, how's that for a 2020 reference? Bringing it back, Tiger King. Oh man. Um, you should send in your voicemail or your emails to blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. First up, we got one from our good pal, the king of all Toms, Tom Chansky. Hey there, Haas and Will, and uh, Catherine, I think. Uh, still loving Andor. I have to say, I'm a little bit blown away by the character of Luthen. He's you know, probably my favorite part of this so far. I just think he's a very compelling character. The way that Skarsgård portrays him is amazing, and his gallery, his ship is is fucking incredible, and his gallery seems like a really cool place. I wanted to ask you, um, suppose old Tony Gilroy gave you guys a call tomorrow Mm -hmm. and said, we got a scene inside Luthen's shop in season two, and I need an artifact for the background. 
what would you what would each of you pitch as the Star Wars artifact or art piece or whatever that you would like to see in the background of Luthans? Could be from any, you know, time period before the show takes place in Legends, video games, whatever. Mine, uh, I would probably have a severed hand holding a lightsaber, and if you turn the lightsaber, you would see the initials BMF on it. <laughs> of course, that might need to be something Luthen keeps in the background. Um, had one other short question. What would you think of a scene uh, where Mon Mothma's car lands, she gets out, the doors to Luthen's shop opens up, and this uh, blue guy walks out saying, perhaps that was the most interesting art display I've ever seen. And he just walks off. Would that be too much or no? Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for a great podcast. I will talk with you later. Man. All right, Catherine, what would you do? If, if Tony Kilroy called you and asked for one artifact to put in the background of Luthen oh. Shop in season two, what would you pick? Yeah, I had never considered that. Never considered that. Um, I wonder if we get like a, a pod race. Oh, like a pod racer engine or something? Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be kind of cool. Like um, a... Or a poster promoting pod racing with Sebulba uh, on it like a Boonta Eve like a like a poster like you have in your background like something yeah. like that what for, but for the Boonta Eve race ooh, that'd be kind of cool um I see like the joke version of me wants to say like something related to Kiati Mundi right whether it's his lightsaber or I don't know you know what what always fascinated me in um Attack of the Clones were those bust of the fallen Jedi in the Jedi library when Jocasta oh, knew was being yeah. kind of um, shitty Just to Obi Wan. One of those would be kind of cool, like a bust of Dooku cool. or something in the background might be kind of cool. Do you have something, Will? You know, I was thinking, and um, I, I, I was having the hardest time thinking of like some sort of cool relic. But some <clears throat> some sort of scroll or I don't know something something ancient looking and papery, you know, not necessarily Jedi text, but something along that line, you know, some big old ancient mm -hmm. Arabesh book. You know, one a, of my favorite a tome, a grimoire. Not only would the, like this probably wouldn't be in his shop because I imagine it's still in Palpatine's office. But you know, in the scene in Revenge of the Sith where. Palpatine finally reveals himself as a Sith Lord to Anakin. You know that mural, that carved mural that's in the background that shows like yeah. Jedi oh, yeah. fighting like a big serpent or something? Yeah. That is a cool artifact I'd like to see show up as like an Easter egg somewhere down the line. Obviously, like oh. I said, don't think it works in this show for this timeline, but I always that thought that awesome. was cool. Or Oh, get this, in a glass, uh, like a big glass cloche, like the skull of an actual Sith, like the extinct species. Oh boy, you're gonna open up that whole can of worms again? The mm. Sith race of, of I, yeah, I don't think that's any, I think that's. Is that gone? I think so. Time? Maybe it oh, is, I just I don't didn't know. know. I, um, I, I was trying to think of something from Tales of the Jedi, my favorite comic series, but nothing was immediately popping into my head. I mean, a lightsaber connected to a power source. Maybe it doesn't come on, but the fact that it's oh, there with the power source. That would be, be kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Like um, one of the proto. 
Yeah, I'm sure you could get something from like the High Republic books oh, and get it yeah. like visualized for the first time. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. You could even do like one of the cool like High Republic cross guard lightsabers that they have, or yeah. you could do something from like the bad guys, the um, the Nile. You could have like because they've got helmets and cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. You could have something referencing the Prime Jedi, you know, from way back in the day, from like the Last Jedi. Yeah, that's that seems like, like, would even Luthen be able to get his hands on a mosaic of the Prime Jedi? I don't know. Yeah, but it would be knows. cool. I want any more reference we can get to any of that lore stuff from the Last Jedi would be cool with me. Yeah, that's just because that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next up, we got a voicemail from our buddy. Matthew Thurban. It's Turbo. Hey, Horse and Will and Catherine Andor. I trust you're all enjoying Andor. Um, I just had to send in a voicemail because I feel like I've been uh, a part of Catherine's Andor journey, you know, from that Alan Tudyk panel in Chicago to the to the Andor yep. trailer in Anaheim. There's there's yep. no better person to be on Blue, Blue Harvest during during the golden age of Andor. So... Um, this show is is absolutely gripping. The I love the soundtrack. The dialogue is just so dense, as our boy Rick McCullum would say. Um, what other show would would make an upcoming dinner party so suspenseful? Um, who else is going to show up to dinner? Is Sly Moore really going to be as fun as that jerk husband says? Are we going to see maybe J- uh, Space Jimmy Smiths? Maybe. Um, I have a question about the drinks in this show. There's a lot of people drinking. Um, specifically, they're calling it Nog. Those officers at the brothel were drinking, I think they said Rev Nog. Um, Luthen, Luthen gives Cassian some Med Nog, some medicine, I guess, while he's fixing his wound. And that dirty snitch, Tim, with two M's, uh, was drinking out of a hip flask before heading to that space phone booth to portray his friends. Is I don't know, is there some sort of imperial prohibition going on? And, and why is everyone drinking? Is it so stressful? I don't know. Um, uh, do you think we're going to see Mendo next week? That rebel spy on, I think, Aldani says that an imperial engineer is arriving from Coruscant. <gasps> or will we see Galanerso, maybe, another engineer? I love watching week to week. It's just so we can all do some uh, cock speculating. Um, one more thing. Uh, when we're in Celebration Anaheim this year, there were so many great moments where we all said, I wish Hawes and Will were here. Um, you guys were both sorely missed. You guys are the best goddamn Star Wars podcast and just all around good dudes. I love the show. Oh, man. Love you guys. Um, I know neither of you can make it to London next April, but where would your preference for the next celebration be besides Birmingham, Alabama? Birmingham, Alabama, and, baby. You know, us Australians will travel to all parts of the world for celebration like Catherine and I and other guys did. Um, I know it would probably be in the US again, but my preference would be Tokyo, mostly oh. because I've been looking for an excuse to go back and the borders are finally open for tourists again. I know also because I know it's a dream for whores to visit Japan one day and I'd just love to be there for it. So um, anyway, all right. I love you guys. Love you, Catherine. Take care and may the force be with you. Love you, Turbo. Man, Turbo. Thank you so much, buddy. Um, I was bummed we didn't get to hang out with all you guys at Celebration this year. You know, there was a brief time last year where the plan was maybe even to have Will there with us at Celebration. 
And then obviously <laughs> things went to shit this year and celebration didn't happen. Yeah. But listen, for me personally, Turbo nailed the dream celebration. Japan. Celebration Tokyo. Because that would be too, like, I don't know. For one, I'd probably have to go for like two weeks. Because I don't want to spend my whole first trip to Japan going to Star Wars Celebration solely. Right? So I'd probably need like a week to enjoy Japan. And then, you know, the next week would be Celebration. Or whatever. But... There, I, you I just have to take a month. I, I, I minimum two weeks. I'd yeah. Say. yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, even when I talk about going to Japan, I think of it as probably needing to be ten days to two weeks at least, right? Yeah. It's so big, you know, to travel it if you want to see it all. Well, and and like, it's it's a long trip. Like, it, do I really want to go for four days and fly, you know, that much just for four? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Tokyo would be amazing. I do, I'm not going to lie, I have daydreams that they announce a Star Wars celebration in Birmingham. It'll never happen. It would happen in Atlanta before it happened mm-hmm. in Birmingham. But if it happened in Birmingham, let me tell you, Star Wars friends and family, peace and love, peace and love, you will have the best celebration experience of your life. I will show you guys an amazing time if a group of all my Star Wars buddies came to Birmingham for celebration. You would be eating amazing food. You would be going to amazing places. And you'd be like, damn, maybe Alabama isn't that bad. It mostly is, but Birmingham's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) We would have a cookout. We'd have a cookout at my place with Will, man in the grill. You would be, your minds would be blown. So I think everybody should put, you should manifest that. Help your old pal Halls manifest the Star Wars celebration Birmingham. I'm perfectly prepared to travel just about anywhere for Star Wars Celebration X. Now, that's my reason for going overseas and and doing things. Um, yeah, so I'm a crazy Australian. I'll get on a plane for an extreme amount of time to go places. So, yeah, I'm there. I can always already figure out, okay, there's a, I can fly into like – Houston and then change to a plane that'll get me there. Yep. Doable. Mm-hmm. Done. Sign me in. What about you, Will? And, and obviously, we can take Birmingham off the table because, look, that'd be super easy for Will, too. He'd be like, oh, cool. I finally get to go to Star Wars Celebration. I just got to drive a couple hours and stay at Halls' house. Okay, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Tokyo would be great. Um, New York would be cool. And... Um, that's what Johnny Grosso Cal- is hoping for. <laughs> California would be cool too. I mean, <laughs> so as far as any other U.S. based city, I would be willing to go just about anywhere. I can't think yeah. of one that I wouldn't do. Right? Like, um, I only have experience with Orlando and Chicago, and both of those were great. But it was because it was Star Wars Celebration, and I was hanging out with all my friends. Right? If I'm being honest, I would love to go to one in London. Honestly, like that would be awesome. If, if I wasn't potentially going on like a family vacation around that time next year, I would probably be trying to plan to go to London. Like, it's not that like, I don't want to go to London. That would be incredible. Mm -hmm. I, once again, I don't know that my first time to Europe, I would necessarily want to spend mostly at a star Wars convention. So I would want to go for some 
extra time as well, right? Right. Um, yeah. Um. So. Yeah, anywhere in the U.S., I'll I'll make it to. I'm not going to miss the next U.S. Uh, uh, celebration if I can help it at all. Because um, I'm not going to lie, real bummed that I missed this one. Real bummed that I missed Anaheim because I was very much looking forward to it. And it seemed like a great time. Yeah. All right. What do you think about his um, idea about Mendo showing up or Galen? <sighs> so I think... If you want my honest opinion on it, I think Mendo is a foregone conclusion. Meaning, I think we will see him in this series. I don't know that it's going to be season one. And the reason I say that is I kind of think it would have sort of gotten out by now if if he did film, right? Like, even just yeah. whispers and rumors of him showing up. So I think he will show up and I think he might start showing up or show up in the lead up to Rogue One because we know like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Catherine, this season's going to cover about a year, right? Yeah. Front to back. And then the next season is going to cover four years with each three episode arc covering sort of a year leading up to yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. And God, I want more. Yeah. Like... Well, I'll, from what we've seen, yeah, God, more, more. I mean, twenty-four episodes of Star Wars of this quality is pretty impressive, right? Like, and I think if you want me to be one hundred percent honest with you, I think they saw the quality of show that they were getting from this creative team, and they were like, twelve episodes. Let's do another twelve, you know. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think Mendo will show up eventually. I think we'll see Krennic. We might see Galen. Um, I didn't even think about them mentioning that engineer coming from Coruscant to the, uh, to the base. Um, I kind of feel like five years out from Rogue One, Galen would still be sort of trapped on the, uh, trapped in the research facility, right? Working yeah. on the Death yeah. Star. Yeah. I don't know if they're letting him get out and go to Aldani anytime soon. But I, I guarantee we do see them. My big question is, does Tarkin show up some point? Because he was such a big part of Rogue One. Um, <clears throat> that'll be interesting to see. Um, all right. Next up, we've got a voicemail from Mr. 100, Kobe. Hey, Hawes and Will, it's your boy Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. How's it hanging? Hopefully hanging clean. Hopefully keeping that shit clean. Um, I have a question about Andor this week. Uh, it is Wednesday. I have not watched episode four yet, but I have obviously seen the first three, and I do have kind of a question about the series as a whole. Um, so they went for a more uh, kind of stripped down, eighty, you know, original trilogy, 80s tech, original trilogy aesthetic right they wanted the backdrops and the technology and some of the costumes they look very original trilogy star wars they really wanted to kind of meet the timeline and there is kind of a nice little like in between the prequels and original trilogy feel to it and they they really went true to the to the timeline and i kind of remember hearing about back in the day when the prequels came out that everyone was kind of not everyone i guess but there was a large amount of people that were like oh this is 
this is dumb. All the ships and all the backdrops and every, everything looks cooler and better and shinier and flashier than, than stuff did in the original trilogy. And that makes no sense because this is in the past. Stuff, sh- all the technology and all the cities and drops and everything should be, should be progressing, not regressing, right? And there's a lot of canon and non-canon explanations as to why the prequels look shinier and, and newer with all the technology than the original trilogies did. But obviously we know why. It's because some of them were made in the 70s and 80s and some of them were made in the early 2000s, right? I mean, that's, it's just, it's just common sense to me. And I, I personally am able to like separate that in my mind. It doesn't really bother me that much. I know that the prequels came out in the early 2000s. So like, yeah, stuff, some of the stuff's going to look cooler and newer and better because we had CGI and better technology and that kind of stuff. Um, and then you kind of look at the inverse of that with Andor where they kind of went to match the, the original era that it's set in and they did a really good job. And and I like that too. I, I don't really care either way. Right. My question to you guys is how do you guys feel about the, you know, the matching of the, of the backdrops and the sets and the technology and the costumes and weapons and ships and all that. Do you care if it, you know, the aesthetic matches, you know, 100% directly. Do you not care? Um, is you just kind of like separate in your mind? How do you guys go about that? Before I go, I gotta say, all this talk about the Fortnites, you guys streaming Fortnite, which is a lot of fun, by the way, um, you got me back into it, man. I, I don't know whether to love you or hate you for that, because I just I just <laughs> dropped 20 on a new on some V-Bucks for a new Xenomorph skin last night, and it literally felt like I was 17 again playing Fortnite when it first came out, or however old I was, and... I don't know, man. It, it's I'm, I'm addicted again. So, so thank you for that, for what it's worth. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you ever need welcome. someone to squat up. No, I do play on PS5, though, so I am kind of a traitor. All right, I'll let you guys go. Uh, have a good one. You guys are the best. Peace out. Kobe, you let us know when you want to play some Fortnite. We'll get down. Your boy Hall's also got the uh, Xenomorph skin, by the way. And as a little teaser, uh, because of a, uh, a current natural disaster affecting his home state steve wasn't able to record high potion with me this week so will swung in like a damn hero and guess what our episode is about that's right Fortnite. so get ready baby um will what do you think about sort of his thoughts on like the visual continuity between the eras of star wars I feel like it's spot on in the show, you know, like I feel like it's easy to tell what era you're in based on a lot of that stuff. And I think they stand out. Um, I think we, we just have less so of the sequel trilogy. So it has less of its own standalone feel, but the prequel trilogy and then, you know, the, the, the original trilogy, <clears throat> excuse me have very distinct looks and feels and i feel like they really nailed it especially some of the outfits from rogue one i feel like show up um some of the imperial outfits mm-hmm. show up and they look really good you know krennic you know i'm ready to see him i'm, um, re- I'm looking forward to that the, the, to me the the minute I see a, a Star Wars property show, whatever it may be, set in this era of Star Wars, and they're using like the, sh- the shitty LED readout 
technology like when they're looking at the plans for like at the end when when the guy hands cassie on that tablet or whatever that's got like all the different stuff he needs to learn by the morning i'm Mm -hmm. like oh oh this feels perfect it's visually it has a visual continuity with those eras of star wars and right we we don't get well in the long scheme of things we might actually have more prequel era stuff when you count the clone wars and stuff but right you know like the fact that george lucas wanted to go for this like mid-century art deco sort of feel for the prequels to show that like this is what the galaxy is like when it hasn't been beaten down by a fascist empire for 20 years like when it has the time to devote to grace and art and elegance exactly and i thought that was a really cool choice um, what do you think, Catherine? What do you think about sort of the visual language of Andor as it compares to, you know, other Star Wars and stuff? Well, I love that the aesthetic of this time period in Star Wars, like the, the clunky buttons, mm-hmm. the yeah. the green screens and, and oh, goodness, the ISB uniforms just look fabulous with the like, puffy pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and and the men like we saw one man with a very seventies mustache, um, just rocking it. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love the aesthetic. It looks great. We see yeah the the very used beat up part with mm-hmm. um, Ferrix and then the Coruscant, the the Empire, those clean. Um, but very sterile environments that the Empire tries to push into all of the things that they are creating and pushing out, you know, all of mm. the other design elements that were before it. You know, there's a lot of metaphor going on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of metaphor. Um, oh, God, the, the major in charge of the ISB, Anton Lesser, who Anton Lesser plays, he's oh just delivering such delicious lines and his he's um you know Tarkin all over again I love him he's he's really good I think my sort of running theory is the lady who's trying to find the information about that stolen black box or whatever I can't remember what they call it um I think she's going to end up teaming up with Cyril like, I think she's going to get reports from Farrick, see that he sort of led the charge, contact him, and then they might team up to try and figure out what's going on. Um, it's kind of my running theory. Um, yeah. But I guess we'll see. Uh, all right. We got one from our buddy, Intercontinental Tom, or as he's apparently now dubbed himself, Harry Tom. Hawes, Will, Catherine. Hello. Again, oh, what an episode. What a show. Really, I mean, you know, like, Star Wars means so much to us. And when it is just firing on all cylinders, it just like, it makes my whole life better. <laughs> Which is a bit too much pressure to put on something, to be honest. But um, I loved it. I, I just, this episode was so cool. Uh, I'm kind of like a bit flabbergasted that, you know, this is going to be 12 episodes. And uh, what does that time out at? Like seven, eight hours or something? That's 
I mean, that's basically like if that, with this quality level, that's like four top shelf Star Wars movies getting released all at the same time. Yeah, I just like man these these characters, fantastic. Dedra Mira or whatever her name is, great to see her introduced. Fantastic, Mon Mothma, fantastic. Uh, her husband, I hate that guy. <laughs> um, the uh, the rebel cell. All great characters. I just like oh, that ISB um, uh, guy in charge. I don't know what his name was. Just awesome. The design, everything looks incredible. It's so fantastic. Even just, I mean that 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 opening sequence of uh, Cassian and Luthen on that ship. The interior of the ship just looks so good. The cinematography. It really is like cinema quality. And there's so many tiny details, like that the scene of uh, Luthen getting ready to uh, play his role as a as an art dealer again. Just stuff like that. There's like they've got the meat and potatoes, and the meat and potatoes are strong. They're tasty, but the 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 layers of ingredients that they've added on top of it is just like it's just hit after hit. I'm so pumped about this. Amazing. Um, one line I wanted to uh, ask you about. You might have talked about this already, but that line when he's ta- when he talks about being on Mimban and he says, um, you know, by the time we got, uh, you know, by the time uh, you know we were, the boots were on the ground, we realized we were fighting ourselves. What's your reading of that line? Is it that? they quickly came to realize they were fighting people who were in exactly the same situation as where they themselves came from, that they were in fact invading someone else's uh, territory and um, fighting people who had suffered under, you know, either the, the empire or, you know, through the Clone Wars, just the same way that they did. Well, anyway, what's your reading of that? Um, everybody, thank you. Uh, as always, loving it. This is uh, Harry Tom signing off. Well, you can hear Harry Tom wax poetically on his podcast, Star Wars Fun for Everyone, Especially Me. I believe that's the full title. Um, man, Tom. I, I, what do you think, Catherine? What do you think about that line that Cassian has about serving on Mimbam? Yeah, I think Tom is going down the right track that that they're realising that the people they're fighting are just people like themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not evil. Um, I think even Solo, or Hans says it in Solo, that you know, they're just fighting people who are wanting to protect their homes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who Cassian is alluding to. He's that they end up realizing that they're just fighting people who are defending their homes from invasions or who don't want to be part of the empire. Like Cassian doesn't want to be part of the empire. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's it. It's just, but that's really an allegory of all wars, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, Especially like you think World War One, World War Two, where the the main people on the ground they were just 
like each other. They were just trying to get through it. They're just trying to get home, um, especially like World War One. You know, the you, you think about um, the Christmas truce that happened, where uh, the um, English troops and the German troops got out of their trenches, singing "Silent Night" to each other and played a soccer match in no man's land and then got back into the trenches the next day and we're shooting at each other again. They are the same. Um, and this is science fictions and Star Wars power in showing us what's happening in the real world, but in this Star Wars universe. Sorry, I got a bit deep. Hey, I, hey. I think that was awesome. I love it. Um, and I think you nailed it. I don't know that I have anything to add. Like, I, I think that's exactly what Cassian meant with that line, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and pulling I it up. I did wonder if it was some epic friendly fire massacre, but. No, I think. Yeah. That and, does not make much more sense. And then like uh, the, the specific line that Catherine uh, referenced that Solo said in that movie, I think further backs that up like that's an amazing pull actually mm -hmm. i wouldn't have even thought of that line um so next up we have a voicemail from our buddy josh hello there haws and will and super special guest this is your internet pal josh wright um first off i want to say i love the podcast um you guys are you know knocking it out of the park every week and Another show that's knocking it out of the park every week is Cassie and Andor. I am loving, loving with all caps, uh, um, Andor, uh, just from top to bottom, every possible aspect. Uh, one thing that especially stood out for me in the uh, episodes we've seen so far are the sets and the locations. Um, just fantastic just flawless. I loved all the, uh, brick buildings, um, on, um, Ferrex. I don't think that's something we've seen before in star Wars, but it's really cool and really well done. I love the brutalist architecture of the ISB office building and also of, uh, Gabe from the offices, mom's apartment building <laughs> seem to have the same kind of architecture. Anyway, I do have a question this week. So my question is this, um, I'm kind of an old movie buff. Um, one of my favorite genres is film noir, uh, the you know the crime films from the 40s and 50s. Um, and I got big film noir um, vibes out of the first three episodes. Um, it was a crime-related story, lots of interplay of uh, light and darkness, even though Andor's in color and most of the film noir movies are in black and white. Um, just... You know, from the moment he runs into those two guys at the bar at the brothel, I just knew, I knew it was going to be trouble uh, for our man, Andor. Anyway, so um, I really love it when Star Wars kind of mixes it up genre-wise. Um, and of course, Star Wars itself is a mix of sci-fi and fantasy genres. But um, what are some of your uh, favorite uh um, instances of Star Wars mixing it up genre-wise. Um, and maybe what are some genres you would like to see Star Wars mix it up with? Um, interested to know what you guys and your super special guests have to say. Uh, keep up the great work. 
may the force be with you. All right, Will, what what's some genres you'd like to see Star Wars tackle? This may sound ridiculous, but a murder mystery would be cool. You know, stuck on a hyperspace flight with a murder yeah. in the middle and like... That's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> got to figure it out by the time you come out of hyperspace or something. There's this... Um, there's this issue of the classic Star Wars Marvel comics run from back in the 70s and 80s that is this weird flashback to a younger Obi-Wan on like a galactic cruise ship where some shenanigans go down and he's like solving this mystery. It's pretty fascinating because it was, as a kid, one of the only sources of like, oh, this is what Obi-Wan did before Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I um, I do think that could be kind of cool. Like maybe that's what Ryan Johnson will do with his movie. It'll just <laughs> be, be cool. Knives Out, but in space. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, I'm down for that. Yeah. I mean, a big one for me would be horror, right? I would like to see Star Wars track tackle horror. They do it occasionally. Honestly, the the closest you really get to it are some of the episodes of the, um, the animated shows, to be honest, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it to be like, you know, rated R Star Wars horror, but I think there is a way you could do a horror type story in Star Wars and make it fun. You know what I mean? Like, There's is there room. a way? Is there a way to get like an '80s fun horror movie Star Wars story? That would be something I'd be into. Like, we need the um, disable a ship. You know, release a Rathar on a ship. And disable the ship. Ooh, like a monster movie. See, I was thinking, like, is there would there be some way to get us like a um, a Jason esque or Michael Myers or Freddy esque a slasher space? Yeah, slasher. yeah, but like fun, not like ooh, I'm so scared. I'm a <clears throat> ooh, ooh, I'm scared. But like, you know, sort of fun, goofy horror, which is kind of like, you know, the genre that I I like most when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because they sort of used those vibes a bit on that episode of The Mandalorian with the um, where they broke out the prisoner, didn't yeah, they? They mm-hmm. sure did. And and they also, they really did. They really did. You're right about that. And then, like, you know, the, the Ice Spider episode of The Mandalorian, you know, had a, it's, its horror elements. It's oh, more my of like God. So many horror. spiders. Yeah, too many spiders. Oh. Well, what about you, Catherine? What's a, a genre you'd like to see Star Wars play around in? Well, obviously, at some point, they have to have some kind of dance element so that Diego Luna has to dance like he did in Dirty Dancing to Havana Nights. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I know I'll be the only person on this podcast who has seen that movie. Hey, listen. I'm well aware of that. I knew I knew your... your uh your enjoyment of that movie. This is an element of, of Catherine's personality. I was well aware of. She's a big fan of the, uh, the lesser remembered dirty dancing sequel that uh, featured Diego Luna as like the main character, right? It is fabulous. Um, part of me also wants like a rom-com romance type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get that a bit in lost stars, mm-hmm. but, you know, like your, your Jane Austen sort of romance type of thing happening in the Star Wars universe. Like, just why not? Let's, why let's not? have it. Give it to me. Yeah, I, I'm down to explore just about any 
genre within Star Wars. Like a big thing that I was mentioning last week with Andor is that like the variety. Now we're starting to see a little more variety in Star Wars storytelling on Disney Plus. You know, when you factor in everything we've gotten, you know, we've gotten, you know, the Clone Wars style animation with Bad Batch and Clone Wars. You got Visions, which was incredible, you know, Andor, Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, let's really start mixing it up. Can you imagine Star Wars by Dick Wolf? Look, a Star Wars procedural might be pretty fucking fascinating. I might watch that and be pretty fascinated. Once you put it in space and some fancy outfits and some, some clunky looking screens with big buttons, I'll watch it. I mean, on Tatooine, it's Wild West. You know, the procedural drama out there is the Wild West. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, Cobb Vance. Yeah, it's one of the detectives. Come on. That would be cool as shit. Yep. Yep. Um, Bring, bring Tony Gilroy. Hello. Got a story (laughs) idea for you? Uh, I would love to see what he, like, I don't know that it would necessarily, I mean, it would probably be very good, but it may not feel congruent with the rest of the Mando verse, but I'd love to see him come on board to direct like an episode of the Mandalorian just to see how different it felt. Like just to see what he does. If, if, and uh, to be honest, it'd probably be something that he wouldn't be necessarily interested in, but it would be fascinating. Um, okay. So we got through the voicemails. Now let's tackle some emails. This one's from Tyler. Tyler said, as you remember, as you may remember, I uh, emailed a few months back asking if I should add Boba Fett to my Mando Black Series collection. To absolutely no one's surprise, you and Johnny responded with an immediate yes. Well, it took a little while to get here, but I'm happy to let you know that Boba Fett has joined the six-inch Mandalorian army. Look at that display That's so damn of Mandos. Look at them Mandos. Oh, I love a damn Mando. Wow. That's a nice display, buddy. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the Mando helmet and the Darksaber the Lego Razorcrest, which, by the way, did you see that they announced a giant Ultimate Collector's version of the seven hundred dollars? Seven hundred dollars. These Mando playing cards are cool. Yeah, you got some nice stuff in there. What's the name of the new ship? Do they call it something? I don't know that it has a name. Did you go to the Mando panel at Celebration, Catherine? No, I missed out on that one. Okay. And I keep hearing good things, so. Yeah, I'm just wondering if yeah. if if this ship is going to end up having its name. It's not often that like a starfighter gets a name, right, in Star Wars. Besides, like you know, Red but if Five. it's his only means of conveyance, yeah, yeah. And like, this is the other thing that's a little weird to me is I don't think his ship's name was the Rez- Razor Crest. I think that's the model of ship it was, right? Yeah. So I don't know. That was like him saying, I got to go get in the Bronco. Yeah, it's like him saying, I'm going to go get in the Corolla. Yeah. (laughs) See you guys later. All right. This one is from Justin. Hi, Halls and Will. Love the podcast. Love the connection between the two of you. Wanted to get your thoughts about the future of Star Wars on the big and little screen. So far on the little screen, the live action TV shows have played in an era and setting (laughs) well known to the audience, i.e., within 10 years, either side of the original trilogy. 
watching the new Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones prequel shows that they have gone back a few hundred years to thousands of years before their primary show's movies. The Acolyte will go back before the prequels, but can you envision Star Wars TV in the near future going back hundreds or thousands of years? And if so, how far back would you like them to go and what events would you like to see? Then to the big screen. I feel that with a bigger time gap between movies, there is more and more pressure on the movie schedule for release in December 2025. Do you think Lucasfilm will play it safe and set this within the time period of the Skywalker saga or go bolder either in a new time period or be the start of a new saga? And what do you think they should do? Thank you again for the awesome show, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Um, Look, one of my like Star Wars niches that I really like is like old Star Wars, ancient Star Wars. That's why I like Knights of the Old Republic. That's why I like Tales of the Jedi. I even like some of the Dawn of the Jedi stuff that they did towards the end of the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. So my answer is always going to be that. I would love, love, love for them to do something. And it's only a matter of time. As is just about anything with Star Wars, all you got to do is kind of be patient and you're probably going to see what you want to see eventually. Unless you're like, oh man, I really want them to adapt the glove of Darth Vader as a live action movie. Well, you know, you might be shit out of luck on that one. Um, what about you, Catherine? What would you like to see? Do you think we'll see something like that? Yeah, I think on the small screen, it's more and more likely that we'll see things going back in time. Um, various time periods like time periods we know all going back like something that high republic period i mean some of those characters in those books i'm i'm just dying to see mm -hmm. on the screen um but for the big screen yeah with with the gap that they've had now it is tempting to to wait to do like yeah the next saga or the next thing but yeah, to then push it on because quite tellingly they haven't advanced the canon very much at mm -hmm. all. Like in, really even in between or past the sequel trilogy. So they're really leaving that for the movies. Mm, I think so too. Like yeah. uh, I think that's definitely the case and I hope the reason is they're waiting for the right time and the right story. Like... I I think, honestly, if you want my opinion, like, I, I love the idea of, like, an episode 10 starting off the next trilogy in 2027 for the uh, 50th anniversary of Star Wars. Like, the way that, like, the, the numbers and the anniversary and all that would sort of line up. Like, that thought really makes me happy. Um, something that, you know, I think, king tom brought up for the first time and ever since then i've latched on to that idea but honestly it might be better for star wars if they took a chance like they they swung for the fences and i don't know what that means i don't know if that means setting you know starting up a new era of star wars a new saga uh, with the theatrical movies set way, way, way before anything we've seen or way, way, way after. They could set it way in the future even, right? And and put so much time in between the sequel trilogy and, you know, whatever they do in the future that when the time comes and it is right, because once again, 
It's not a matter of if we will get an episode 10 or stories that, you know, continue after the sequel trilogy. It's a matter of when. It will happen eventually. Um, I think that's, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see them go real nutty, real crazy, try to start something new, set way detached from anything that's established so the creative people you bring on have a little more free reign. It doesn't need to be uh, filled with cameos and established characters and doesn't need to just have X-Wings and TIE Fighters. Like you can, you know, give us a whole new era and and look of Star Wars. That would be my preference. What about you, Will? I um I feel like the future of uh Star Wars television is currently being forged by the Mandalorian and Andor specifically. Mm-hmm. I feel like they are pushing the future of Star Wars television and they're going to have a big say on how it's molded after this experience. I'm not, excuse me, entirely sure, you know, what the future of, you know, we've talked about it, like you guys just mentioned it, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they're saving the movies for advancing the canon Mm -hmm. after, you know, the sequel trilogy, but I'm not entirely sure they are, have landed on what the future of Star Wars movies is going to be and what direction they're going to go. I don't think they have either. I think, uh, what I'm hoping is they're letting Taika Waititi do his thing, get wild with it, and just going along for the ride. Let that dude, you know, mess around in the Star Wars universe. See, see what he comes up with. If you need to, like, steer the ship a little bit, you know, go ahead. But, like, I don't know, man. I think the next Star Wars movie needs to be something real fresh and exciting. If they can nail that, then we're good for Star Wars for the next little bit. I don't need it to start a new saga. You know, like, it can. I th- It's I, fine. I kind of want it to, but we'll see. Like, I think, like, listen, I love the idea of Rogue Squadron. I love the idea of getting a movie that, you know, for what Andor is doing for the, like, spy film noir side of Star Wars, we could get for, like, the fighter pilot and X-Wing pilots in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's the movie to come back from a six-year absence in the theaters though i don't know that that makes the big splash that you want to make right thematically you're right you know you're like listen we all love rogue one it's the reason we have this show we're watching now i don't know that rogue one if you if you switch the release order of rogue one and and uh the force awakens i don't know that it works i think you need the big splash you need the force awakens the star wars is back they're talking about on all the entertainment shows right and then Chewie, we're home. Yes, exactly. Then you can get wild with it. Well, why why don't we do the next movie where it shows how the Death Star plans uh, were stolen? Let's tell that story. I think you do need the big splashy movie first, and I don't know that Rogue Squadron would have been it. It seemed a little weird to me from the get go. Um, and the further we get pushed out from a live action Star Wars movie, the more I feel like you do kind of need that big splashy reentrance into the theaters it's going to be fascinating to watch either way i can't wait to see what happens mm-hmm. the redemption um, of ben solo listen i think once again i think all the ben solo fans in the world just need to be patient 
I yeah. think that I don't know that they will ever do like a, uh, and I could be wrong. I don't know that we'll see a story where like, oh, Ben Solo found a way to come back to life and we resurrected him. But Ben Solo will be part of Star Wars going forward, even if it is like as a force ghost or something like that. It is a matter of time. The kids that grew up watching the sequel trilogy will want more of those stories, just like the kids that grew up watching the prequel trilogy wanted more of those stories and got the Clone Wars brought back and Obi-Wan as a thing, right? Like, so just be patient if you can, because <laughs> you'll get it. My Ben Solo fans out there, peace and love to you guys. Just be patient. It's coming. They will back up that, that bank truck to old Adam Driver's house and be like, come on, man, let's do it again. I mean, he'll be like, you know what this sounds like? Sounds like I'm getting a jet ski. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Next up, we got an email from Chris. Hey, Halls and Will. Waiting for season three of Mando, I had a question about the Mando Creed. Wondering what you guys think. It's been well established in the Mandoverse that if you are not Mandalorian, you have no business wearing Mandalorian armor. If Din comes across some fool wearing Beskar, he's expected by Creed to take it back immediately. This is especially true for the radical Mandalorian sect that Din Djarin was raised in. Mando asks both Boba and Cobb Vamp for their armor when he meets them in season one and two. Boba cough, coughs up his digital family tree. Cobb Vanth strikes a deal. Otherwise, he was ready to gun them fools down. So in Book of Boba, when the armor asks Din if he removed his mask and then he says, and then says, you are Mandalorian no more, wouldn't she then take his armor right then and there? What's the rule here? Seems like she left this one, she let this one slide because she knows deep down he's a good dude. But then again, the armorer doesn't seem like one to let things side. slide. Is this just a writing oversight? Feels inconsistent to me. Seems like by the creeds, she would say, you are Mandalorian no more, that armor is yours no more, and then pick up her hammer so Din knows she means bidness. And that's how it's spelled. Bidness. What are your thoughts? All the best, Chris. Hmm. I think since there is a provided means for his restoration in the... Uh, waters or pools below whatever on Mandalore, I think, you know, I think he still has a chance for redemption in her eyes. Uh, I think he earned that armor either way, you know, personally. I, I think you're right. and But I think it might be a little bit of like, she knows something is up with this dude. She knows that Din, like, some shit is going on with Din, right? He shows up with a little baby Jedi and then he goes and finds a Jedi. You know what I mean? He comes back. She doesn't see him for a little while. And he comes back with the damn Darksaber. I think she's like, look, maybe I do need to let this one slide. See what happens. I'm going to tell him about going and, you know, bathing in the, the springs beneath Mandalore. I don't know. Maybe he can go do that. If anybody can, maybe this can. This guy can. What do you think, Catherine? Yeah, I think... I think you're right in that she's giving him a chance to become, you know, Mandalorian in her eyes. But also she knows that he had initially earned the armor, so she wants him to earn it back again. Whereas, you know, in in Cobb in the eyes of Dinjar and all the the cult, um, you know, Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett didn't earn it, whereas he mm -hmm. had earned it. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, 
yeah, I feel like this dude is sort of continuously um, proven himself to his covert, right? Like, um, so yeah, I don't think it was a riding oversight. Like, just think of it this way, right? Think back to watching the first season of Mandalorian and how all of us were like, wait a second. What do you mean they can't take their helmets off? Because every person in the Clone Wars that is a Mandalorian takes their helmet off anytime they get a chance, right? Like every single Mandalorian takes their helmet off. And we were all like, ha ha, you guys don't know what you're doing. Look at this writing error. No, and then they addressed it, right? Like, so I, I, I have a feeling that we could even see that specific thing addressed in the next season. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next up, we got a vo- we got two more emails, and we'll call it a night. This is from Allison. Allison says, "Hey, I'm absolutely loving Andor, but but my question is actually about the Book of Boba Fett. Uh oh, I have a theory on why the pacing of Book of Boba Fett was so weird. The show started filming in late 2020, early 2021, and that's around the time when Gina Carano was being absolutely deplorable." and ended up getting herself fired from Disney slash Lucasfilm. I'm so glad she's gone, and I'm in no way advocating that the show would have been better with her in it, but Cara Dune may have had a role in the show, and Favreau had to fill in that gap quickly. The plot with Din, Grogu, Luke, and Ahsoka was probably planned for the show, especially given the work that's needed to de-age Mark Hamill, but their screen time was increased to cover other plot lines that had to be dropped. This is all pure speculation, but I think it makes sense. What do you guys think? May the force be with you, Allison. I think that could be a possibility. I wouldn't either. That's a good explanation. This is the thing, right? You got to think that them going into shooting the book of Boba Fett before she really went off the rails on social media and got herself fired. The plan was going forward, right? Okay. So book of Boba Fett, is going to come out in between Mando season two and three in the pipeline. We have Ahsoka, which ties into this series and Rangers of the new Republic, which ties into this series. And what did we get elements of in book of Boba Fett? We got elements of Mandalorian season three. We got elements of Ahsoka, right? So you have to imagine they probably would have tried to work in some element of Rangers of the new Republic to keep that, those storylines active, right? That's why I think, you know, in Mandalorian season three, there's probably a very good chance that Ahsoka will show up to keep her at the forefront of the audience's mind, you know, as far as like, hey, her her show's next in line as far as the timeline of this all goes. So I do think it's possible. What do you think, Catherine? I mean, yeah. I mean, the way that you look at it, Looking back now, the way Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett as a show was sort of treated as a bridging mm-hmm. show between Mando seasons and it could have been, yeah, that bridging show to, yeah, the Rangers show somehow, even mm-hmm. though, um, you know, Cara Dune wasn't set on Tatooine, you know, theoretically, like she could have come and visited there because, you know, Cobb Vanth being a ranger. I mean, yeah, get more Cobb Vanth into our veins, please. I think, look, I mean, he was in that after credit sequence for a reason. 
like I always say, it's just a matter of being patient. That guy's coming back with his fancy hair real quick. Um, So you know what? I could have imagined her role being in, um, you know, if she was intended to be part of Book of Boba Fett, as I could have easily seen Mando stopping to pick her up and taking her back to Tatooine as backup for the big fight between the crime syndicates and Boba, right? Like, yeah. I think that could probably could have been her role. And she could have been like, oh, guess what, guys? I'm a ranger of the New Republic, wink. <laughs> but now you get to do doo-doo movies that are on demand only. So good job. <laughs> All right. We got one more email. This is from our buddy Sam. He says, Howdy, Halls, Will, and Guest. Quick proposition to you folks this week. What if Gabe from The Office, this is, by the way, this is Cyril. That's what I refer to him as Mm -hmm. on the Patreon stuff. Switches sides and becomes a rebel general. But he doesn't want to be caught, so he changes his name, and he can't grow out a beard, so he wears a fake one. His name, General Maydeen. It canonizes the fake beard in Return of the Jedi and gives us Maydeen's backstory. It's definitely not true, but are there any other rebel leaders you'd like to see backstories for? I sure love me some Mon Calamari, so seeing Radis or Akbar would be awesome. Anyways, keep it up and stay safe. Best wishes, Sam. Sam, you need a YouTube channel, my dude, because that is an incredible theory. <laughs> that. If this show just turned out to be one long con that was the the secret origin of General Maydeen and his fake beard from Return of the Jedi. You know, Steel is really pushing for like a, a good guy turn for Cyril. And I wonder, in a in a hypothetical world, in the multiverse where that's how his his good guy turned happened, like Sam described, I wonder how much Steel would lose his mind. Oh, he'd lose it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, now we've got more Imperial antagonists. I can see a Khan face turn, as Steele will put it. Um, you know, it's more likely now, although, I don't know, like with his mother, with his mother pushing him, yep. slapping him, them hugging him. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Always possible. But I have to say, with those partisans, part of me was like, oh, is, is Milfshi going to be here <laughs> um you know and oh, i can't remember his name now but the, the pilot the blue leader from rogue one oh we're, um, we're gonna see him garrick is that his name garrick or something like that yeah, with the mustache yeah. oh the the best mustache <laughs> like, oh my goodness he's the definition of the word dashing i think by the end of this series, we will see a lot of those, you know, bit players from Rogue One assembled. I think we'll see, you know, some of those senators that they are there on Yavin. I think we will see Blue Squadron. I think we're going to slowly see the rebels ramp up to being more of, like I said, a, an alliance. And we might even get to see them setting up base on Yavin next season. I wouldn't be surprised. Um. I'm kind of with Sam, though. If I had to see the backstory on any particular, like, rebel leaders, my man Ma, uh, 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 Admiral Akbar would definitely be one of them. I would watch, let, let Tony Gil- Gilroy give us two seasons of Akbar after Andor. That's his next Akbar. show. Whew, hook it up. I'd watch that all day. Or n- him and Nian Num. 
like for some reason they're tight before the original trilogies oh give it to me what about you will you got any particular rebel leader you'd like to see the backstory of i'd like i want to see the battle of tanab yeah what the hell happened at tanab (laughs) what the hell happened i guess they heard about my little maneuver at the battle of tanab all right well what happened there somebody tell me because i want to know yeah right what about you Catherine? do you have any rebel leader you'd like to see I mean, yeah, more about Radis because he's mm. cool. Yeah. I say we fight. Come on. He's awesome. He is um, awesome. Yeah. Um, I think Radis is a possibility. I think Radis is a real possibility for this show as we get further into season two. Yeah. You know, because Steve Stanton's still well around so he can voice him you know they've got the costume and storage somewhere like they broke out all the sequel trilogy aliens for this show if you notice in the background you'll see a bunch of sequel trilogy aliens they got them all in storage so break old radis out get steven stanton behind the sm7b microphone and let him go to work (laughs) all right guys well that does it for us Catherine. thank you so so much for being on yeah, i'm so glad we were able to make the schedules work listen guys i know we always bug you for reviews don't give us reviews this week go over onto your podcatcher of choice and leave a review for that geek pod and star wars spelt out tell them blue harvest since you show them the power you know how cassian says make one man feel like a hundred make one review <laughs> to feel like a hundred for that geek pod and star wars spelt out all right oh i'm nowhere near often enough putting out um episodes but thank you but yeah definitely over on spelt out um yeah it would, it'd be great it'd and be great where else can people find you what's your social medias and all that so twitter katherine underscore neen mostly x just and or silly <laughs> x- you know, um, I need to hunt down the, the a little gif of um, when the ISB officer is telling off the, the three corps um, and the guy puts his hand up and he just pauses, looks at him, goes, seriously? I need that gif. <laughs> That's real good. Um, so, yeah, follow Catherine on all the social medias. Uh, check out That Geek Pod and check her out on Star Wars, spelt out with our buddy Josh. It's all good stuff. Uh, hey, check out Stoned Cobra if you like our theme song. They're who created the music for it. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.com.bandcamp.com. Uh, also, check out the High Potion podcast. This week's episode is me and Will talking about Fortnite. Normally, it's the video game podcast I do with our buddy Steve. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. I don't think we're having a guest next week. It might just be a Halls and Will jammy jam next week. Take a, take a little breath. You, you have and or caliber guests like Rick Villanueva and, and Catherine Neen back to back. You might need a little bit of a breather, right? You might need a little chill. Maybe you, you know, maybe you get some bits rolling. I don't know. Either way. Can't thank, follow this act. <laughs> thank you, you guys. Well just... <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.